The views expressed in our podcast do not represent the views of all sorority organizations. You might even hear different viewpoints among MJ sorority team members featured. Real Talk intends to foster open dialogue about issues we see across the country that affect real women. And beyond these thoughts and recommendations, we would ultimately refer you back to local, state, and federal authorities, as well as your own sorority's rules and policies. While we intend to keep content light and informative, there may be insurance claims discussed that involve bodily injury and personal damage of a sensitive nature. Be aware that topics may be a bit graphic and even emotionally charged. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome to Real Talk with MJ Sorority, the voice of sorority risk management, where we talk about the big risks, small questions, and real challenges sorority women face today. MJ Sorority is the premier insurance agency for women's sororities. We are passionate about educating and empowering our clients. We believe that striving to be unique never stops, and that by promoting safe decisions and smart risks, we can continue to create spaces for women to grow, serve, and lead. I'm Sarah. And I'm Allison. Be sure to stick around for the end of the episode where we get into what we can't stop talking about, besides sorority risk management, of course. For now, let's dive into our conversation and let's get real. Hello, it's great to be with you all again today. This is our first podcast of 2022. It's been a little bit of a rocky start. Um, COVID and snow and everything else. (laughs) Yes. So hopefully uh, you are wherever you are getting in the swing of things a little bit more than we are. (laughs) Today, we are going to talk about how volunteers are covered under the National Sorority Insurance Program. So I'm going to go over just a few basics. Your organization that is a client of MJ Sorority has developed very sound and comprehensive rules and guidelines for your chapters, your house corporations, your alumni groups. So in terms of how they operate, um, events, all of those things, we're sure that you are very familiar with all those rules and guidelines. And in addition, they have purchased the most comprehensive insurance coverage available to businesses and nonprofits, which has very few liability exclusions. So very few things are actually excluded under the policy. So this is really critical because volunteers are making business decisions on behalf of the organization each and every day. And the sorority and then MJ Sorority as your risk management partner wants you as a volunteer to be confident that you're covered under the organization's insurance coverage, that you're not exposing yourselves to personal liability by virtue of this volunteer role that you're playing to help support the organization. So saying it in a little bit more technical way, as you fulfill your fiduciary duty to the organization as a volunteer, the organization owes you the duty of personal indemnification should you be named in a lawsuit. And so that is really one of the primary purposes of the insurance coverage, especially for nonprofits like sororities that depend on volunteers to run the show, basically, is that they have provided and purchased really extensive comprehensive insurance coverage to protect volunteers should they be named in a lawsuit. So I'm going to kick it over to Allison to talk a little bit more in depth about the specific lines of coverage and how they apply to volunteers. And this comes up and we do get specific questions from volunteers who have often assumed a new role. And um, this is good timing at the beginning of the year because I know a lot of there's some changeover in leadership sometimes in terms of volunteer boards at the local level um, and the national level too. 
and we just get the question that often loved ones of our volunteers will say, hey, how are you protected in this role? What if something happens and what um, what is the organization doing for you? So Sarah did a great job of explaining in a broad sense as it pertains to specific policies, if that's what you're curious about, there is coverage under the general liability policy for you as a volunteer. In fact, there's a specific definition of volunteer worker on the policy to make sure that you're covered differently than an employee and that your work and your duties um, and, and anything involved with that would, would be covered. Different than you know work comp or something involving an employee, but certainly there's general liability coverage there for you. So and when we talk about general liability, that includes bodily injury, a crushed elbow or a broken bone, uh, so damage to property of others, as well as personal injury. So that's kind of what we nickname kind of hurt feelings insurance, but that includes things like discrimination, wrong expulsion um, of membership and things like that, that there could be accusations of. And so if any of these things were to be alleged in a lawsuit against the chapter and it involved you and your role, there would be defense in defending you, defending the organization as part of the organization, you would have some defense costs. That kind of gets into, though, if it does pertain to specific accusations about your role as a volunteer, it would start to fall under what we call directors and officers coverage. And you might have heard it referred to in other places in the insurance world as E&O coverage, errors and omissions. We call it directors and officers coverage on our policies for sororities. And that just is to acknowledge the fact that you're often directing operations. And if someone is to accuse you of making a wrong choice, and that whether it results in a lawsuit or not, there would be some coverage for you. If it involves an employee, there is something called employment practices liability coverage that also could be extended to protect you should you be accused of mismanaging someone's employment, their hours worked, uh, their compensation, their treatment as an employee. Once again, you would have some protection under EPL. So whether it's general liability, DNO, EPL, even auto, feel free to listen to our episode about auto for more information about that coverage. You have protection as a volunteer. There's also an umbrella policy that sits on top of that. So sometimes we get the question, okay, we know you have coverage for us, but is it enough? So the excess liability policy, also referred to as the umbrella policy, sits on top of the GL or general liability policy, your auto liability policy, which protects auto operations of the organization, as well as something called employee benefits liability. So just between all of those, there's an umbrella policy that sits on top to make sure that if there is an excessive lawsuit and high dollar claim, that results from your actions as a volunteer, there there is a big umbrella that sits on top of a lot of that. So we just want to make sure that you and your role feel confident that there is sufficient coverage between those different lines, between the different policies purchased on your organization's behalf. And all of that is just contingent on the fact that you are operating in the interest of your organization. So as long as you're operating within your scope as a volunteer worker, according to the policy's definition, but not intentionally doing some sort of criminal act, there is coverage for you. And if you are curious about those specific limits that your organization purchases, then you can request an insurance overview from one of our client executives. I will put the link to that in the show notes as well. So if you want the specific DNO limits that your organization purchases or umbrella limits, um, that would be reflected on the insurance overview, just to give you a little bit better idea of 
you know, what those specific limits that do vary by organization are. So we wanted to share a few claim examples just to kind of make this uh, a little bit more practical and relatable to real life. So Allison is going to share one first. So this is a claim example we've used and held up many times as an example of if for some reason your rules and policies of your organization aren't being followed, sometimes there's the myth out there for sorority coverage that you would not be covered if you're not following the rules and guidelines of your organization. We had a specific claim where there were some glass bottles on a dance floor at a some sort of social event, and there was strictly a, a strictly no glass policy um, on the dance floor at this specific venue, but under the the eye of whatever alumni volunteers were there uh, and advisors that were watching the party, there were still ended up being glass on the dance floor. Someone dropped and broke a glass bottle and then a participant in the event stepped on some of the glass and had some severe lacerations in her foot. And so this resulted in a bodily injury claim. And from a volunteer standpoint, just because the volunteer didn't stop that from happening, it didn't some, suddenly become a lawsuit against the volunteer. In this case, the volunteer, even if there was a mistake of not enforcing a rule and policy from both the chapter officers and advisory board standpoint of whoever was allowed to be present and watching over the event, there was still coverage to protect and defend them in their role with the organization in the event of that claim. And so we just wanted to mention that as a good example of accidents happen, um, even when they happen and the claimant can allege that, you know, you weren't following the rules and guidelines that you were supposed to. Does that create more liability for the organization and maybe more dollar payout? Probably. Uh, but does that create more payout for you personally or more responsibility for you personally? No, because you're acting within the scope of your role as a volunteer worker and within those duties. So Hopefully that's a good just kind of visual picture of when something goes wrong, you've still got coverage to protect you. I think that example is helpful in the sense of it shows how broad the the organization's insurance coverage protects volunteers. And it also shows how important the role of volunteers, especially in events and things of that nature, can be. There are, you know, your organization has risk management policies in place for a reason. And is leaning on volunteers and officers to enforce those rules or those those policies. And those volunteers and officers can make a big difference in a claim happening or not, or the severity of a claim. Exactly. And, uh, and, and so obviously- has a little different policy on that. I know that your organization may not allow alumni volunteers to be present at a social event, and that's okay. To Sarah's point, it's still, you can contribute by helping set those expectations ahead of time. Anything you can do to set expectations to make the rules and guidelines clear helps keep liability down for your organization in general, too. So I had a directors and officers claim example. Directors and officers is really kind of one of our more misunderstood coverages. And so I think claims examples are a good way to to explain those a little bit better. So in this situation, in this claim, two former members accused of hazing allege that they were not given the required due process when they were dismissed from the organization. Uh, so in this case, an actual lawsuit was not filed. A claim was submitted in the insurance carrier assigned defense counsel who worked with the claimant's attorney to prove that the members were in fact given due process and the termination of membership was appropriate. 
The lawsuit was eventually dropped, but in the meantime, the insurance company paid over $5,000 in defense costs to get to that point where the lawsuit was dropped. So the important thing to remember here is that the volunteers that were would have been named, I should say, in the lawsuit, those officers that, that executed the membership termination, would have likely been brought into that lawsuit, but the directors and officers coverage would have protected them. And because that directors and officers coverage was in place, that they were able, the insurance company was actually able to defend it so that the lawsuit was dismissed before it arose to an actual lawsuit. And it demonstrates the importance of following all proper procedures and policies when it comes to disciplinary issues. So the organization felt that they were on solid footing in how they handled these former members' dismissals. And they were able to show the paper trail that the the volunteers and officers had put in place to follow their procedures, which gave them then a much better leg to stand on. And the claimant's attorney realized that there wasn't much of a case there because of the paper trail and how thoroughly the officers and volunteers had followed the existing policies. So that's kind of a success story. But it still also shows the importance of having that insurance coverage because it was still, you know, $5,000 just in the defense costs without there it even arising to a lawsuit. So hopefully that makes a little bit more sense. I do have a resource that I'll link to in the show notes on our website called Digging Deeper into Directors and Officers Coverage. And it goes over more claims examples, explains a little bit more in detail. And like I said, that is one of our most misunderstood lines of coverage. And so if you are curious to learn more, I encourage you to check out that resource on our website. Worth noting too, is there's not only a directors and officers coverage limit, but there's a separate defense cost limit. So when it comes to you asking, is that limit high enough for if there was a big claim that involved multiple volunteers, know that there is a defense cost limit that's often separate uh, to cover those kind of incidents like Sarah just mentioned. So it really is more than enough. We've never seen something max out the limits that our clients buy in the 30 years we've been covering them. That's just not something that's happened. So I just know I've gotten that question recently and wanted to clarify that there should be plenty of plenty of limits there. And I may have stolen your thunder on the next question, Sarah, which <laughs> about higher limits and do we need them, right? Yeah, I think we can. So we've kind of gotten a little bit, which we try not to do on the podcast, insurance ease, as we call it. But it really comes down to what our volunteers that are calling with these questions are asking is, do I need to increase my personal limits? And so what would our kind of standard answer to that be, Allison? So the short answer is we are confident and we want you to be confident too in the insurance coverage that your organization purchases on your behalf. So there's no need to address this liability as a volunteer under your personal homeowner's policy or personal umbrella policies. We do know that many of those kind of personal lines coverages often include what's commonly referred to as outside directorship liability, which would cover you in this role. And so know that you may, it might still be worth asking your personal lines agent, insurance agent, if you have that coverage and if that's there as a back backup. But we want you to be confident first and foremost in the insurance coverage that your organization purchases on your behalf. So an example of common wording uh, for director's liability coverage, just to to give you an example of real policy verbiage, is damage is covered if you or your family member is an officer or member of a board of directors 
of a homeowner condominium or cooperative association or not compensated as an officer or a member of a board of directors or a nonprofit corporation or organization. So again, that's getting a little insurance ease as Sarah mentioned and referred to. But the bottom line is that that's the kind of language you can look for, not only in your organization and what's already covered for you, but on your personal lines. If you're trying to see, do I have some sort of outside directorship coverage there for me? Yes. And I think, too, this is just an opportunity to remind you as a volunteer, just as a person out in the world, it's not a bad idea to check with your insurance agent, whoever that might be that provides your homeowners or renters coverage, auto policy, those things, and make sure that they feel like you have adequate limits. Um, as we get older, as we have more assets, just discounting the whatever work you do from a volunteer standpoint, it's probably a good idea to look at those limits anyway. So that's something that more of a almost like an adulting tip <laughs> versus <laughs> we do feel really confident about your sororities insurance coverage and how it extends to protect you as a volunteer. And it's always a great idea to check with your personal lines insurance agent and make sure that they feel like you have adequate insurance as you get older and maybe have a house or things along those lines. Mm -hmm. So to wrap things up, Allison, what's our kind of big idea for today's episode? (laughs) Our big idea is you should be confident in the coverages your organization purchases on your behalf. And If you ever want to know more technical limits and how that actually breaks down and looks, you can reference our insurance and risk management summary on our website. Uh, You can call your client executive, reach out to them via email and learn more about your organization's specific limits. Uh, But as an overall takeaway, you are covered, whether it's through the DNO policy, the general liability policy, and the umbrella that sits on top of a lot of those liability policies to make sure you have adequate coverage. That's our job as MJ Sorority in advising as an agent and risk management partner, your national organization and in, or international organization and making sure that they have adequate coverage. And uh, we don't want you to be worried about that while you're worried about all the other things that you do um, in managing and leading a chapter and trying to help these chapter leaders. So know that that's there. You can assure any concerned loved ones that you are covered and the organization has thought of you Um, and appreciates your service and wants to make sure you're protected. Well said. So we usually wrap up our podcast sharing what we can't stop talking about. So you go first, Allison. All right. So what I can't stop talking about, I finally caught up on just a lot of animated movies that have come out lately. And I actually over the weekend got to watch Encanto finally on Disney Plus, which was just a fun treat. I had heard good things about it. And it did not disappoint. It definitely had some powerful messages about using your gifts and abilities, even if they don't look like other people's, um, about family, about trauma and family and generational trauma and um, all sorts of interesting themes about fitting in or not fitting in. Uh, But I I definitely didn't feel like it hit you over the head with it. And uh, with music by Lin-Manuel Miranda for Hamilton fans out there, it definitely the lyrics pack a punch and are kind of a mile a minute. So you can easily go back and catch more things the second time around for just an animated movie. I thought there was a lot to it. So definitely worth checking out, even if you're not an animated movie person. It's just a beautifully done movie that celebrates a, a culture in a unique way. Love it. We actually haven't watched it yet. We keep push, putting it off, but we are expecting a big snowstorm. 
today and I am ready to curl up and watch it and Perfect. report back to you. <laughs> Great. Can't wait. <laughs> what about you, Sarah? What can't you stop talking about lately? Um, well, other than this coming snowstorm, which isn't, I mean, it's exciting to me, but whenever you listen to this, if it's summer or something, that's not that exciting to you. <laughs> I have been, as we mentioned at the front end, I was sick for a lot of January. And then, so it, it's just been a little bit of a blur. But in that time, I totally got sucked back into the Outlander books. And I can't stop reading them and talking about them, obviously. But they're like 900 pages. I was telling Allison that I'm at the point. So I'm on the, I think the ninth book right now. And it's a lot of history stuff that I never learned before. So even though it's a time travel series, I feel like I am learning a few things. So that's kind of fun. And I'm excited. I think the show, which I like as well, is coming out soon. So I'm I'm hoping that I can like wrap up the books and then go right into the new season of the show. So I don't have, I'm not too sad about it ending. So, mm-hmm. well, good. <laughs> so if any Outlander fans reach out so we can chat about it. <laughs> I'll have to check that out too. I can't promise I'll tackle, be able to tackle 900 <laughs> page books. Um, I don't know that I'm as quick a reader as you are, but I definitely want to check out the show and um, who knows, maybe eventually I'll want to dive into the books too. I know. I, I am, uh, they're so long, but, and she has so much stuff going on that I just can't stop now that I'm sucked back in. So Love it. Well, thank you all for joining us today and be sure and check the show notes for all the resources we mentioned. If you have any questions, reach out to us at Real Talk at MJ Sorority. We would also love to hear your suggestions there as well. And we will see you next time. Bye. Thanks for joining us for Real Talk. We want to hear from you. If you have feedback, comments, or questions, send us an email at realtalk@mjsorority.com. Visit our website, mjsorority.com to learn more about who we are, what we do, and explore our huge resource library. Check out the show notes from today's episode to dig a little deeper into the topics we discussed. This has been Real Talk with MJ Sorority. Be smart, be safe, and we'll catch you next time.